Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody out there on Radio Land. It's Wednesday night. It's 8 o'clock. And by now, you know what that means. It's time for another wonderful, action-packed episode of the NGSC West Recess. I am your conductor on the road tonight, a.k.a. Jerome Butler, a.k.a. The Sports Butler, a.k.a. my little brother's big brother, and let's not forget the last king of Raider Nation. I know I got a lot of names, but hey. You got to have a little fun with it, right? And speaking of fun, that's what we do every week here. Even though our West Coast teams are the most underrepresented of the lot, our games start super late at night. People don't think that our teams are as good as teams in other regions, say as the South or the Northeast, but that's neither here nor there. We've got a team actually trailing in the finals right now, but we'll talk a little bit about that. And we will fight that West Coast bias also. And as you all know by this point, fighting the West Coast bias, there's never a one-man operation. So I bring to you the only man that I do trust in this operation, one Josh Matson. How are you tonight, Josh? I am doing really well. Um, how are you doing uh, this evening, Jerome? Ooh, if, I was, if I was doing any better, I'd be banned in 48 states, Josh. We have an upset, <laughs> we're going to have ourselves a great show tonight, and I've just been sitting there watching this baseball. I was sitting there looking at this here hockey game between Tampa and Chicago. But it seems to have completely slipped my mind. Let's see what's going on in that game here. Chicago won two to one. Oh, uh, they did. No, right. Yeah. We got ourselves a, we got ourselves a tied series there in the Cup Finals. But Tampa Bay, they did what they had to do. Right? They went out there and they got one in Chicago. So now it becomes the best of three, and two of them are on their ice. Yep. Uh, so. Chicago. Uh, Brandon uh, Sad got a goal in the about six minutes left to win the game for them tonight. Tampa Bay is a good team. Uh, it should be – the series is going to be – I think this game, the series is going to go seven. Uh, uh, most definitely. And for Tampa yeah. Bay, to, Tampa Bay, they better get Ben Bishop back if they want to have a serious shot at this one. I mean, the backup goal, he played well tonight. But if you want if you want to win at all, though, I mean, I'm sure you'd feel a lot more comfortable if you had Bishop out there. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, they, they definitely need their, their go-to guy. Yeah, man. We got quite a bit to cover here tonight, Josh. So I guess we should get started with how well the USA men have been playing lately in the world of soccer. They've actually they've actually taken down a couple of historic powers over the last couple of games. I was even shocked that they I told you this afternoon, I didn't think we would beat Germany. They went out there and took them down. Man, Jurgen Klinsmann seems to really have found some magic over there, hasn't he? Yeah, the US team is playing good, uh uh, Klinsman definitely has them uh, playing good. They they've won three pretty tough games in a row. They beat Mexico, um, the Netherlands, and Germany all in a row. Um, Germany's the number one team in the world. Netherlands number three, and Mexico is probably somewhere in the top. I don't know where they're exactly at, but I know they're in the top fifteen. So uh, those are impressive wins, and uh, the U.S. is doing it with uh, without. Uh, 
you know, some of their, their veterans um, out there, uh, Yonder Yedlin and Zardes and Jordan Morris, those guys have are been putting together big games for the U.S. lately, and and uh, they're work, they're moving the ball around really well out there on the field. They had a 30-pass sequence that led to a goal against the Germans tonight. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's impressive what they're doing, and the Gold Cup's coming around the corner here. And if they win that, the the Gold Cup, they might they might be in the top ten in the FIFA rankings by the by the end of the end of the, the next four or five months. So we'll see. Oh, well, they continue to play well like that. I mean, they're tired of a contest power anyway, so I like their chances in the Gold Cup. You know, I, I believe we are the defending champions, so don't quote me on that. But yeah, yeah, no, they are. They are the defending champions. So, hey, I say let's go get ourselves another one. And with That's... with that being said, I guess the USA women played pretty well in their um, Women's World Cup debut taking down Australia 3-1. to I mean, Megan Rapinoe, she did really well for herself. Looks like she's going to be the tone setter. What do you think? Oh, uh, Rapino was uh, was definitely uh, a star in the last last World Cup and during the um, Olympics recently. Um, so she's definitely a regular fixture to that team. But the the one the glue to this team, the one that's going to hold it all together, is Hope Solo because. <laughs> She plays like she did against Australia throughout the whole World Cup. Uh, the U.S. is probably not going to – they're, they're going to be tough to beat for anyone. So, And she is the best goalie in, in the World Cup, which is uh, which is an uh, advantage for the United States. Um, so, yeah, I'm impressed with the – the U.S. didn't play all that great in the first half against Australia. In fact, Australia was probably the better team, but Hope Solo did. Uh, did keep them in the game. So uh, the U.S. is definitely, you know, they've, they're, they're going they're going to move on, and they're probably going to, you know, they're going to definitely make it to the semifinals, if not the finals. Yeah, I feel you there. I mean, Australia, they got off to a real fast start. Hope Solo, she kind of set the tone with a couple of those big saves there early on in the game until the offense was able to get started. But the game that really shocked me was, that game between um, Sweden and Nigeria, it, seemed like it was a pretty fun game. It kept going back and forth the whole time. Yeah, there's been a um, there's been a couple, you know, really interesting games in, in the Women's World Cup, and I think you're going to see a lot more of those types of games as I move on. Um, there's going to be some bad games, too, especially when the United States plays Nigeria. That one, they're not expecting it to be close. In fact, it could be. It could be ugly, but there's going to be a lot of good games too. So it's definitely, definitely interesting. Yeah, well, that was our, that was our um, World Cup beat right there for you. We we're going to have ourselves. We got some, some good stuff for you tonight. We got on one of my good friends, Coach Nelly. He's going to talk Midwestern Minnesota Vikings football, and he's going to and he's going to have a good time with us tonight as part of our fan segment. And we'll even begin, and we're going to begin our West Coast previews of college teams. We've got Hawaii and Colorado, the dregs of the Mountain West and the Pac-12. But if you're a betting man, we'll give you some insight on them, and we'll do all that right after these messages. This is the NGSC West Recess, and I am Raider Rome. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com. 
the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitment, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds and thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. That was your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You could win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, we're back here with the NGSC West Recess. I'm ready to roam, and I'm here with my main man, Josh Matson, like I always am. But you all knew that. And I guess without further ado, let's go on and get started here with our weekly uh, MLS soccer beat. Josh's revolution didn't do too well. They took a 2-0 loss to the Portland Timbers. The Timbers, they pulled out their first three-game winning streak of the season by taking advantage of an undermanned New England team who had injuries and national team call-ups to deal with for the week. And New England, who didn't have a Jermaine Jones or Juan Agadello for the night, offense, and defensively they were a mess without two of their stars. The game-winning goal came off of a free kick about 15 yards beyond the box. Jorge Villafana took the free kick. He put it in the box a curling ball to Adi, who rose above the New England defense to head home past the New England goalie Shuttleworth. After this defeat, New England, they will return home for their next game Saturday against the Chicago Fire, while Portland will take a bye week before their next match, which is a U.S. Open Cup showdown with their Cascadia rival, the Seattle Sounders, on June the 16th. You have anything you want to add to this match, Josh? Well, um, the one thing I would mention is that that's the first time in franchise history Portland's won three games in a row. So that's a pretty big deal for them as a franchise. And three that's nine points they've gained in the last three outings, obviously. So um, they're playing good all of a sudden. So they're a team to watch out for. And New England losing this weekend wasn't actually all that big of a surprise to me. They were they were definitely outmanned as far as talent on the field this weekend. So um not making excuses. I mean obviously uh that type of that that's common, you know, in the MLS where teams are out without their stars due to call ups to the national team and all that. So um Portland just had the better men on the field that day. Um New England's obviously still one of the better teams to watch out for and, and at the end of the day. So, But, yeah, I mean, I get you there. And we usually, we usually get down on Portland quite a bit. We're going to have to give them a little bit of love now. They've won three in a row for the first time. So we're going we're gonna to start to be a little bit nicer to your Portland Timbers, our bad. <laughs> Next up, my LA Galaxy met pretty much the same fate this week, falling short to the Vancouver Whitecaps 1-0. Even having Robbie Keane back in the starting lineup for the first time since April didn't do enough to keep the highly inconsistent Vancouver Whitecaps from leaving here with a victory. Kakuta Mane's 32nd-minute goal for the Whitecaps ended L.A.'s long home unbeaten streak, which included 23 regular season home games and 29 matches in all. Pretty interesting streak there. The Galaxy, they controlled the tempo of the game and much of the overall play. It just came down to the lack of scoring opportunities despite the time of possession and the defensive breakdown. And the Galaxy, they have to be disgusted with the play of Leonardo and Bakio Husidic, who didn't really have impressive games against Vancouver and really haven't done much most of this season. With the loss, however, the Galaxy are now no longer safe to be in the top six 
and are basically a must-win mode for the remainder of the MLS season, which is probably a good thing for them because it seems like they play their best when their back is against the wall. They are the defending MLS champions, so I look forward to them being able to make some plays and still making the top six in the West. The Galaxy, they'll take their final trip east of the Mississippi River this season when they play at Columbus next Saturday, June 13th. at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on MLS Live. The Whitecaps, they'll return to the field June 20th with a road game against the New York Red Bulls, which will be played at 7 p.m. Eastern on TSN2. Galaxy in big trouble there, huh, Josh? Uh, I still think they're going to – they're obviously – well, to me, I think they're going to make the top six, but <laughs> they continue playing like they are playing. They, they're definitely going to make it interesting, and it could be uh, that interesting at the end of the year if they don't get their act together. So, um they're not walking away with points either. They're, they're losing games. They're not winning. They're not getting ties. They're not getting points. So they need to they need to get together, or else it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long off season for the Galaxy if they don't get it together quick. Well, I can tell you, like my team, my, like my hockey team, the LA Kings, could tell you. When you win a defendant, when you win a world championship, and you come back and miss the playoffs, you got a lot of questions to deal with coming back. And the Galaxy, trust me, that's not something you want to deal with because it gets very stressful. And I'll let you go ahead and give us a rundown on this next match we got here, Josh, San Jose versus FC Dallas. Sure. Um, the San Jose Earthquakes and FC Dallas play, too. <laughs> An exciting 0-0 game. Um, there was plenty of action as far as um, anything I think involved the soccer ball going to the back of the net. Um, there was three red cards in the game. Uh, two went to the um, Earthquakes, who had... Mark Sherrod and J.J. Koval, who uh, got red-carded out of the game, and, and Dallas had their share, uh, their red card for Javon Watson. So that was the exciting part of the game. Um, as far as uh, the score of the game, soccer purists probably love this game as far as the score goes because, um, you know, that's what they enjoy. And then there's those casual fans like myself Jerome, who probably found this feed uh, quite a nightmare um, to watch on TV. So it's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard, to, it's hard to, you know, uh, as a casual fan to find something like this to be exciting. Um, it was chippy play. It was, it was physical play, but it wasn't exciting. So uh, that's my, my input on that game. But uh, as far as Dallas goes next week, they're going to be plant, uh, travel to the Northwest to face, Sounders, and I guess San Jose um, has next week in off, and I think, uh, yeah, they host the USL Sacramento Re- Republic on June 16th in an open cup match before playing at Seattle on June 20th. So um, Dallas has, I mean, uh, San Jose has some time off from ML- MLS action, and so, and Dallas has obviously got the Sounders, so um, should be should be interesting to see that game, Dallas and Seattle. Hopefully somebody will score a goal in that game. Yeah, well, next year we got ourselves actually a pretty good matchup between two decent teams here. We've got Sporting Kansas City taking down the Seattle Sounders 1-0. Sporting Kansas City extended their unbeaten streak to seven in a row in this one. They certainly benefited from Seattle being without Obafemi Martins, who needed surgery to fix a broken nose. Clint Dempsey was out also to witness the birth of his son and Chad Barrett was out nursing a hamstring injury. The star of the game for Sporting Kansas City was Tim Melia, who had six legitimate quality saves for Sporting Kansas City to preserve that shutout, and an impressive victory over a Seattle squad who has been generally playing well for the past month. 
Fort and Kansas City, they got on the board when they were awarded a penalty kick that was awarded when Stephen Frey of the Sounders collided with Don Dwyer in the box. Benny Fellhaber, another U.S. mainstay, would put it in the back of the net, and that would be the only goal they needed. Sport in Kansas City won, Seattle zero. Your thoughts on this match? Um, my thoughts are Sporting Kansas City is um, unbeaten streak of seven games in a row is quite impressive. Uh, and Seattle, um, they were definitely outmanned. So uh, I think Sporting KC caught them at the right time. I, I just think that uh, Seattle's outmanned, kind of like New England. And New England was against Portland. So th- that happens. That's That's MLS, and that's how how this thing works. So good win for uh, Sporting KC. They they got the three points that they should get against an out uh, undermanned Seattle team. Well, well, that's the way it goes in the great big book of soccer, Josh. When you play an undermanned yeah. opponent, you got to get the three points. Otherwise, it's hard to take you seriously. You know. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and our final match of the night, we've got the Houston Dynamo defeating the New York Red Bulls four to two. It would be the Red Bulls, however, getting on the board first when Mike Grelly had put one in the back of the net in the 42nd minute. But, however, the Dynamo were responding a big way with three goals of their own. Oscar Garcia put one in in the 59th minute. He was assisted by Will Bruin. In the 72nd minute, Ricardo Clark would put one in, and this time Oscar Garcia with the assist to put the Dynamo ahead 2-1. to one. And then Will Bruin, he enjoyed um, assisting on Oscar Garcia's goal so much, he decided to score one himself in the, in the 80th minute to give them a 3-1 to one lead. In the 90th minute, however, Anatole Bertrand, Bertrand Abang of the Red Bulls put one in to cut the lead to 3-2, to two, and that goal was assisted by Marius Oberkop. Pretty interesting name there. And in the 90th and in the third minute of the stoppage time, Will Bruin finishes off the scoring with his second goal of the night. That goal was assisted by Ricardo Clark. Houston 4, New York 2. Looks like a pretty action-packed game. I'm kind of sad I missed it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's funny when you're reading the the um, scores of um, <laughs> they alternated who who assisted and who scored on all four goals. If you look at the scoring, um, Ricardo Clark and Oscar Garcia swapped, and then Ricardo Clark swapped. Well, it was it's just funny. Um, everyone got involved. Basically, is what happened. <laughs> well, you know what I say, Josh. Sharing is caring. And, that, and I guess that's how the Houston Dynamo felt um, going into that game. Yeah, they sure did. They definitely um, – actually, they're impressive. They're up and down, too, like Vancouver, but they are definitely – when they score, they score. So um, they're they're right on the your galaxy's tail right now. So that's the team to watch out for. Oh, yeah, I definitely see that right now. Houston's only one point in back of us with a six and five spot in the West with that win. And next up, the Dynamo, they will take on the Austin Aztecs in the U.S. Open Cup on June 17th before facing the Portland Timbers in their next MLS showdown. And the Red Bulls, they're at home to the Atlanta Silverbacks in the Open Cup on June 16th before they host the Vancouver Whitecaps on June 20th. And before we leave, we'll take a quick look here at the West. Seattle and Vancouver are currently tied for first place with 26 points. Sporting Kansas City, with their seven-game unbeaten streak, they're currently third. Portland. FC Dallas and the LA Galaxy currently hold the final three playoff spots in the West. Although Houston Dynamo, they're not that far behind, and neither are the San Jose Earthquakes, being respectively one and two points back. We'll be back next week to give you more exciting MLS soccer action, and we hope you enjoyed our weekly MLS beat.
So, Josh, remember what we were talking about last week when we said we start to have some action for for some teams here in the West Coast for the college football? Yes. Oh, yeah, man. I was just thinking. We got ourselves some good stuff here tonight, and we'll begin with a team who actually doesn't come to the mainland too often, although their coach is a pretty well-known guy. They almost – I've heard a lot of talk last year that was even thinking about getting rid of Hawaii football. I mean, but I guess after the controversy with UAB, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm talking about the Hawaii Warriors. Last season they went 4-9, and 3-5 and five in the Mountain West. They were 81st in the nation in rushing, 79th in passing. Their defense didn't fare much better either, being 70th against the run and 85th against the pass. They And as we mentioned before, they are coached by – Pretty much an offensive legend in Norm Chow. He hasn't done very well, though, being 8-29 and 29 over the last three years. His offensive coordinator is Don Bailey, and Tom Mason is their defensive coordinator. And their outlook here seems like they need – I guess their offensive – I mean, I guess their football program needed to make a lot of money because when I sit here and look at this non-conference schedule, they're take, they face Colorado to open the season. The other team will cover tonight. They're also battling Ohio State, the defending national champion, and Wisconsin a couple of weeks later. And I believe the objective for them would just be to survive and be competitive in these games. The Hawaii offense, however, can best be described as having a lot of change going into 2015. They're on their fifth different starting quarterback to open the season in the past five years if Max Wittick does become the opening day starter as pretty much expected, the the USC transfer. And as we mentioned before, Hawaii does have a new offensive coordinator in Don Bailey, who comes from Idaho State. And his bankles actually led the FCS, which is which is kind of known as Division One AA in passing yards per game, with 348 in 2014. Akaka Woolsey has started 14 games over the last two seasons for Hawaii at quarterback, but he will be battling USC transfer Max Wittick for the starting job. I personally believe that Wittick will get the job just because he's played at a higher level and played a more important football game. And Colorado State signee Bo Riley is also in the mix. The Rainbow Warriors, their line, man, they gave up 41 sacks last season, and they have to improve in this area if they want to stay competitive early in the year against those elite programs that they're dealing with. Defensively, as we mentioned, they have a new defensive coordinator in Tom Mason. Mason is expected to increase the blitzing of the Hawaii defense dramatically, and he'll have to do it with basically a brand-new front seven as they lost everyone from last year. In their four wins last year, Hawaii only gave up 2.7 yards per carry, and they showed that they could stop the run at times. But, however, since 2013, their defense has only mustered 50 sacks. In order to become bowl eligible, this is going to have to improve dramatically. I mean, you got to get to the quarterback to win. Norm Chow is 8-29 and in his three years at Hawaii, and it's widely thought that if this team doesn't make a bowl this season, they'll give him his 200000 buyout and send him packing. Your thoughts on Hawaii, Josh? Um, Hawaii needs to win. Um for Norm Chow's job to um, to keep his job, I should say. Um, and you're right, Max Wittick's likely to win the job. Uh, uh, Akaka Wolsey is he's not all that impressive, to be honest with you. I watched some YouTube videos, nothing to, nothing exciting about him. Max Wittick probably will win the job. Um, I saw some video of Bo Riley, too. He's another guy that's he, he might actually beat out Wolsey for the backup spot, but uh, I think it's going to be Wittick's job to win. Um, this team has a rough road ahead, though. <laughs> Starting out against 
Um, Colorado actually a game that I think they can win. Um, but playing Ohio State, their their objective is not to lose by 50. <laughs> so, uh, and Wisconsin probably is a team that loves to run up the score on uh, these, you know, lower-seeded teams. So um, they have some games where they're probably going to get, um, I guess, put to the woodshed is the, the, the term. And and they also have Boise State this year, too. So they're that's another game that they're going to um, probably – not like when it's over with. So, uh, Hawaii has a long road ahead. Um, they, they in Hawaii believe they have a team that can win six games for sure. So we'll see. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't see it from looking at their schedule, but it's possible, I guess. Well, I'll be honest with you, Josh. I mean, I don't see it myself either. I think they'd be hard pressed to duplicate the four and nine season that they had this year. But the good thing is that the Mountain West usually has a lot of turnover, and there's a couple of teams that switch off as far as the bowl situation goes. I mean, we had Colorado State coming out of nowhere last year to be a 10-win team. So Hawaii, if they can, if they if Whitty can get in there early and gain some confidence in those losses that they will most likely get against Ohio State, Wisconsin, basically that's what it's about gaining confidence in those games. You know, you're gonna get your ass kicked, so just just try to keep everybody healthy and don't get beaten too bad. If they do that, Hawaii should be able to go into the Mountain West and be about as competitive as any other team, not named Boise State or Colorado State. But I'll say four wins again for this Hawaii team. Yeah, um, I I think five is probably where they're going to land, four or five. Um, six is definitely a stretch. Um, <laughs> they're just not, they're not a talented team, so we'll see. Next up here, we got a team who was actually a traditional power, but over the last five to ten years or so, they've just completely just fell on a hard place. They're kind of like the Oakland Raiders, so to speak, but, I mean, I don't want to be that mean to them, you know. They've got an opener this season in Hawaii. I mean, that's going to be a game that's going to start at 12.59 p.m. Eastern. I mean, I'm here on the West Coast, and I might slip through that one. I'm talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. They went 2-10 and ten last season. Didn't win a single Pac-12 game. They're rushing 75th in Division One. Their passing was 20th, though, so not too bad. But their rushing defense and passing defense leaves a lot to be desired, being 98th and 96th respectively against the run in the past. And as we said here, they opened their season at Hawaii in a game that for some god-awful reason begins at 1 a.m. Eastern time. I'm not sure why. They have a couple of winnable games, however, after that, though, with UMass, coming into Boulder and a trip to Colorado State. They'll take on FCS Nickel State, but after that, whoa, it gets real, real fast for the Buffs. They host Oregon, travel to Arizona State, take on Arizona, a road game with UCLA and a home game with Colorado, I mean with USC, and another game with Utah. Man, seven ranked games. I don't know how this team, wow. If you're Mike McIntyre, I feel bad for you, man. Just from looking at the schedule, you you got to think there's not more than three to four wins here, right, Josh? Uh, yeah. If you look at the first four weeks of the year, those are games they probably can win. And then the next game I see them being able to win is in November 21st against Washington State, and I'm not even sure they can win that game. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a long year for Colorado. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree with you there. Last year they didn't win a single game in Pac-12 play, as we said, although they have a decent quarterback in Seth Lufau. He led, but he led the Pac-12 in interceptions with 15. 
And plus, they were minus 10 in the turnover margin. I mean, you're not going to win lots of games when you got it that bad. They also struggled to stop the opposition from scoring. Things were so bad in Colorado last year that they gave up a first down on 26% of all rushing attempts. And I'm sure if you don't understand if you don't understand that stat, I'm just going to go on and break this down for you real quickly. That's bad. And when Coach Nelly gets on, he can also kind of reinforce that point for you. You don't need to be getting a first down one out of every four times you run the football on your against your defense, rather. But, however, the one bright spot in Boulder going into the season is that they have one of the best players in all of college football, a wide receiver, Nelson Spruce. He had 106 receptions for 1,198 yards, 12 touchdown receptions in 2014, and he is expected to be one of the top wide receivers in the 2016 NFL draft. Pretty interesting. Colorado is usually ass, but they have decent wide receivers, like Paul Richardson the year before. Now they have Nelson Spruce. There are 64 schools in Power 5 conferences, and only two of them that – don't have a single commitment for 2016. That's Iowa State, and the other is, wow, you guessed it, Colorado. This is a big year for my Coach Mac McIntyre, as the Buffaloes are not even the best team in the state anymore, and they have an unfavorable opinion with the current generation of recruits, and that is completely why they're struggling. As it stands now, though, Colorado, they have a shot to win four of these games on their schedule, and it starts in week one when they take on a Hawaii team who is expected to be slightly improved since last season's matchup, and Colorado did win 21-12 in Boulder. So they get to go to the islands and see how test their luck that way again. Last year, Colorado needed every last second to pull out a win over UMass at Gillette Stadium, 41-38. That was a pretty interesting game. I remember watching that one. And that will be a week two matchup this year. Week three and four, Colorado, they have Colorado State and they have Division Two Nickel State. And after that, man, it's going to be pretty much a murderer's row there. Predicting how Colorado is going to do this season is probably one of the easier gigs this season. As no one expects them to win in most five games, and that's probably pushing it. I'm not. I'm gonna say probably. I'm gonna say two myself. They could defeat Nickel State, and they'll probably defeat Hawaii. I think you. I, I'm hearing a lot of good things about UMass as far as them having a chance to compete for a bowl game this season. And Colorado State, they're on. They're trending up in the Mountain West. So I don't believe that Colorado will win these football games. I say two and ten, and Mike McIntyre. This is probably his final season. Your thoughts, Josh? Yeah, you're well. You're right. UMass is uh, actually supposed to be better this year. I I don't know much about them, but I have read they're going to be improved. So that's going to be a tough game for Colorado to win. And and Colorado State's the best team in Colorado in my opinion right now. So you're right. They could lose those two games. Uh, Hawaii's a game I think they will win, but that's not a guarantee. <laughs> so uh, you know, there there need there's a gener the generation of football in Colorado lately hasn't been successful. And I think, I think the fans are starting to get used to it and that's not a good thing. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's better to have, you know, a good Colorado team, you know, when they had players like Rashawn Slom, Cordell Stewart, and, you know, Mason Crosby was one of their stars for a while, even though they were bad back when he was on the team. But um, I'd like to see them turn it around. So it's not going to happen this year. So we'll see. Um, they need it, the the keys. They need to get recruits. <laughs> uh, if you don't have any commitments already this year, you're not doing very well. So they need to get together. Yeah, they have major problems there. I mean, I personally would like to see Colorado do well myself. I remember being a kid growing up, like in high school, my junior year, I was watching the Big 12 championship where Colorado, they just ripped Texas apart. A Texas team I was supposed to play for the national championship with a powerful running game led by Chris Brown. And 
They had another decent running back there also at that time, but his name um, escapes me. But, yeah, Colorado, they had that power running game. They looked big and strong. It'd be nice to see them get back to that. To that. But the Pac-12 is just too strong right now. I think making the jump, they made the jump at, at a horrible time because everybody seems to be improved. In Colorado, they just seem to be just standing pat, and that's not a, and that's not a good recipe for success in the Pac-12. So I see two and ten, and Coach McIntyre, you may be gone. You're a nice guy, but you got to get recruits in there, and they aren't going to be too patient with you. And that was the first half of the West, the NGSC West recess tonight. We were glad to run down a lot of good things for you. I mean, everything's going well. Chicago defeated Tampa Bay 2-1 to tonight. And we'll take a short break, and we'll have Coach Nelly on with us right after these words. This is the NGSC West Recess. <laughs> The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. While waiting to the end of the season to claim victory, when you can win huge cash every day at DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you can be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado for a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds and thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And we're back here on the NGSC West Recess. I am your main man, Jerome Butler, a.k.a. Ray Jerome, here with my good buddy, Josh Matson. And, I mean, we've been talking about winning parts of this $300 million, and it don't seem like the money likes us too much, Josh. I mean, I caught a beat down today in that quarter arcade. How, how are you? How's your team doing? Um, not so good right now, actually. Uh, Jesse Hahn is killing me right now, so that's – that that's pretty much that for tonight. Uh, I won't be winning any money tonight. I haven't won a little bit here and there, but <laughs> haven't been pretty today for sure. Well, it'll get to get better, buddy. I mean, as long as you have, as long as we have fun, right? I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, obviously, I want to win, but um, it actually gives me a reason to watch, you know, uh, baseball <laughs> because. I normally wouldn't watch as much baseball as I've been watching if it wasn't for fantasy baseball. So it gives me a reason to watch. I don't blame you. It is pretty addicting. And last week we had ourselves a new segment where we get a fan on to discuss how he feels this team's going to do and how he feels just about general sports topics that's going on over in his world. Last week we had Mike Robner, and he did a pretty good bang-up job with us last week. I mean, I'd love to have him on again because he was a pretty smart guy. And I think we have ourselves a guest tonight who can surpass his his smartness, if not match it. And this guy's actually a pretty good friend of mine. And as far as the game of football goes, he's a very wise sage. So listen to what he tells you. My good friend, head coach, I mean, well, coach, Kurt Nelson, but we call him Nelly. How you doing tonight, Coach Nelson? Hey, hello, Raider Rome. Hey, Josh. Uh, big honor to be here today. Oh, we're honored to have you. How's things going on out there in, in Minitown? Well, uh, it's dark here. Uh, I'm looking at uh, about 1040, and uh, most people are settled in. But 
it's always worth sitting up and catching a little bit of action and sports updates from you guys. Well, we, we're glad we're glad that you feel that way. It's always good to talk with you. So, how do you how do you feel that things are going to go with the Minnesota Vikings so far this season? Well, for the Vikings, I'd like to look back to even the start of last year because when that's when really the things started to change for this team. Uh, they brought in Mike Zimmer. You know, we've gone through since Denny Green, who much to you know as he's been aligned for his uh, crown-their-ass comments and stuff. Um, I thought he was the last legitimate head coach the Vikings had really had. Uh, I mean, one of my judgments on that is, you know, when he got let go and left from the Vikings, he ended up being a head coach for another NFL team uh, down in Arizona. Uh, you look at Mike Tice, eh, you know, he's still coaching. He's not a head coach. Brad Childress, I don't even know where he's at. Leslie Frazier, great assistant. Um, but he's not a head coach. He's not an assistant down in Tampa now. Um, and Mike Zimmer, you know, here's a guy everybody heard about him. Uh, he's, you know, always the guy that was overlooked. You know, I didn't know a lot about him, uh, but they brought him in, and I think this guy's the real deal. And he's changed the attitude in that locker room for the players. And uh, boy, so much of this game is mental. You've got to get guys to buy in and believe what you're doing. And uh, I think I think Coach Zimmer's doing that. And that's, in fact. I think right out of the blocks last year, you know, I hate to bring up exhibition football, but uh, the first time he put his team out in the field, he put a very convincing beat down 10 to 6 over the Oakland Raiders. Don't remind me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so I think that's really where it started. Um, You know, NFL is business. It's big business. We all know that. So, you know, I'm just looking at the team and how they're set up for this year. I'm taking a business approach uh, to it. You know, I'm looking at how they're spending their money. Everybody deals with the salary cap. And uh, there's only three teams that have more cap room allocated on the offensive side than the Vikings do. Vikings are spending just under $80 million, and that's $15 million more than they spend on their defense. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, you know, what are the three teams spending more on the offense than the Vikings this year? Well, in order, it's the Eagles the Falcons, and the Broncos. Now, all three of those were top 10 offenses last season. The Vikings were 27th in total offense, but that was without their best player, Adrian Peterson. So, you know, they're presently right now coming into this season, they're paying a premium for three offensive skill position players, and their offensive line's pretty high, well paid. You know, they're paying a lot of money to AP. Everybody knows that. Uh, Mike Wallace, a free agent's getting paid a lot, and uh, they're paying Kyle Rudolph like he's one of the top uh, tight ends in the NFL. So if he stays healthy, that will remain to be seen. Um, but because they're able to be so cheap at the game's most important and probably the most expensive position, obviously, quarterback, they've got tremendous flexibility and uh, have been able to keep their keep that part of it low there at quarterback. In fact, uh, you know, it's the only team that's paying less for quarterbacks right now are our friends out in Seattle. The Seahawks have played in the last two Super Bowls, and in part because of the excellent QB play they get from Russell Wilson and paying them basically peanuts. So um, I want to look at the Vikings right now for 2015. They've got just over $5 million they're going to pay for a quarterback on their salary cap. That puts them 27th in the NFL. Now, that's due to 
Teddy Bridgewater's in just his second year of a five-year deal. It, you know, it's a team-friendly rookie deal, and you know this allows him to spend elsewhere without the burden of a monster quarterback contract. You know, taking comparisons like the Saints, uh, they've got about five times as much cap space tied up in that position right now. So uh, the Vikes have Teddy Bridgewater. He's backed up by uh, the veteran Sean Hill. I guess he's made a career at being a reliable backup. So, uh, And the Vikes did pick up a little bit of cap space by trading Matt Castle off to uh, the Bills. So uh, at running back, the Vikings, $18 million, just over that. They're paying more money to running backs than everyone else. In fact, uh, we've heard so much about Adrian Peterson and his contract. You probably don't need me to tell you what $12.75 million is his uh, salary for 2015, and that's why he wasn't going to sit out. Um, and he'll actually count over $15 million as a cap hit. In fact, uh, AP's cap hit alone is more than any other NFL team has allocated to running back position as a whole. So, But, you know, the guy's a beast. We all know that. Wherever you want to rank him and put him, he's one of the top five running backs. And, you know, they aren't paying the quarterback, and uh, he's pretty much the face of the franchise. That wide receiver, I mentioned Mike Wallace. You know, his, his cap number is almost $10 million. The Vikes are paying just over $16 million this year. Puts them 13th for the wide receiver position. But uh, Wallace is just under $10 million. He's one of the uh, NFL's highest-paid guys at that position. So uh, I'd like to maybe see Charles Johnson. You know, he's a guy probably – only some fantasy football players know about. Um, but he had some sneaky good numbers and might even be better uh, this year now that he's got some help people looking at Mike Wallace. At tight end, uh, the Vikes are spending over $9 million. They've got Kyle Rudolph. He's got talent, but he's got to stay healthy and prove it to me. Mm-hmm. The Vikings yeah. offensive line, um, I think Khalil is the big uh, question mark there. The guy could be a first-round bust. They say he played on wounded knees last year. They say it's got fixed up. In fact, they, they picked up the, his option on him. So the staff, I don't know if they're just saying it because to keep him positive, but he's really the wild card. And if he those guys up front can give Teddy some time and open some holes for AP, um, I think the Vikings should uh, be one of the surprise teams this year. Well, I think they can make a move in the north myself. Uh, so, so you have anything you wanted to add to that, Josh? The only thing about the Vikings that I have a little bit of issue with money-wise, that and Nelly did a great job covering uh, how they're spending money. Giving uh, Rudolph a five-year, $36.5 million contract and the highest uh, receiving total that he's had in his, you know, time is 498 yards I believe <laughs> I think they they overstepped there um, but overall I like where the Vikings are going set the Bridgewater impressed me last year I like I like him I think he has talent and I I liked him at Louisville and I, I just think I think they made the right move drafting him and I know a lot of Vikings fans had doubts at first but he definitely proved himself last year but the Rudolph sign it was a little bit ridiculous, if you ask me. I don't know what Nelly's opinion on that contract is. Well, I, think, I agree with you, Josh. I think they're giving him too much. You know, are they paying for Blue Sky for what they think he can do? I mean, he's got talent, but 
you know, he's, he's had some injuries. And uh, if you're not on the field, you're not helping your team. So, and uh, you brought up, it's a five-year deal, and uh, it makes him uh, one of the league's highest-paid tight ends. You know, his extension was worth over $36 million. So, you know, if he, if he can stay on the field, he's over $6 million on the cap number for 2015. So, um, you know, Norb likes tight ends. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, Kyle could really maybe take off in this offense. Like Teddy is a young quarterback. You'd like to check down and rely on your tight end. And um, I'm hoping, but I agree that they might have uh, really reached on that one with Kyle Rudolph. So I had a question for you here, Nelly. What do you think now with Adrian Peterson returning? What do you think is going to happen now with Jarek McKinnon? He played very well last season as a rookie. So how, what do you what do you see kind of role that uh, Mike Zimmer is going to hammer out for him with North Turner being off of the coordinator? It, you know, he's talented. Um, he averaged uh, almost five yards a carry, I think, last year on, on the action he saw. He actually caught a lot of passes, too. Um, but I don't think he got in the end zone at all. But he really shows some talent. Um, but, you know, he's still back in there behind Asiata, too, where, you know, there's a guy nobody had heard of, and uh, he came in had nine rushing touchdowns. Um, so I think they're just stacked with their depth there, you know. Uh, and McKinnon, yeah, it was 4.8 yards, and he only had 113 carries, and he got hurt, though. Um, I hate to bring that up, but everybody gets hurt, but you got to be durable. you got to be able to stay on the field, and uh, he wasn't able to do that. But uh, he is an exciting guy. Uh, I do know the Vikings must think highly of him. They had 10 picks in this last draft, and they didn't use any of them on running back, so they must think they've got uh, enough on hand. And they, then that means they really like the guy then. Yeah. Oh, and as you guys said earlier, though, Derek Carr is still going to be the best quarterback coming out of this draft. But me, I'm just I'm biased, though, so don't take my word for it. <laughs> uh, I like his size. Um, you know, I don't follow a lot of college football, and I, I pick up the guys when they come into NFL. Um, and I know uh, – you know, that was a guy I was kind of hoping the Vikes would find somewhere along in the draft. But uh, Oakland got him, and I think he's uh, obviously helping them out. But we're getting a little help from the West Coast there. You know, we, the Vikes snagged uh, Anthony Barr in the first round last year. Uh, one of those UCLA Bruins, you know, any Bruin fans, Raider room? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're talking to one. Trust me, I know a thing or two about Anthony Barr. And he came yeah. out, and he just, and he came out, and he just was all over the place. I mean, I love Khalil Mack, but I would probably get far my vote as defensive rookie of the year just from the plays that he made. So you guys got yourselves a good one there, Nelly. Well, we needed, yeah, we needed help on the inside, and they went and got his roommate, Eric Kendricks. Oh yeah, that, that's going to be another great one, man. That guy, he was over, he was all over the place too, knocking over people, getting sacks, and everything. Now, if you, you guys, you may want to just go on and complete the trifecta in a couple of years and draft this other linebacker we got coming out, Miles Jack. He's going. To, he's probably. He may be the best out of all of them, and he's got. And he can play running back on a pinch if you need him to. So keep an eye on Miles Jack if you do get a chance to see UCLA this season. Well, Chad Greenway's going to have to get replaced. He's back again. You know, linebacker was really a weak spot for the Vikings in the past, and uh, with you know Anthony Barr now adding in Eric Kendricks, who I think by opening day he'll work his way on in there. Um, that's going to be a strong spot. You know, they really improved on defensive back. You know, they 
everybody says Trey Waynes was maybe the best corner in the draft. They added him in. They signed a savvy veteran there, Terrence Newman. Uh, he goes all the way back to days in Dallas with uh, uh, Coach Zimmer. So um, he'll, he'll help on out. You know, in the rookie, Trey, he might start off. Uh, Trey Waynes, he could probably be uh, in the dime package to start off. And that's a nice problem to have. Uh, the Vikes, I think, actually have five solid corners. Um, at safety, we've got one good one, Harrison Smith, and then a bunch of, you know, wannabes, and let's see who steps up. Um, so uh, the big thing is, is Coach Simmer's got brought a good defense. Um, I think with bringing Adrian Peterson back in, there's obvious improvements right, right away on the offense. But Green Bay is still the big monster in the NFC North. Um, it's about your trigger man, and there isn't one better in the division, and maybe not in all of football, but Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, but I think the Vikings—they were seven and nine last year after a two and five start. Uh, they came back; they won five out of their last four. You know, they finished seven and nine. You know, I think I could see them at nine and seven this year, and at nine and seven in the NFC, you might get a playoff spot. So, uh, it's it's. I think it's interesting. Everybody's excited around here. And uh, we're all really looking forward to that uh, week 10. Uh, the Vikes are heading out west, and they're going to play the Oakland Raiders. Oh, yeah, we got to have our usual um, quad yearly wager, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the Vikings, I'm looking at their schedule, and they aren't getting any help. Uh, they play the AFC West, which is tough, and the NFC West. So, I, you know, if you're going to pick, you know, two divisions you're going to play like that. Uh, you can't find many any tougher than that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting there. So before we move on to um, to um, pass this situation, you have anything you want to add to us to uh, Minnesota season? How you think they'll do? Well, well, I actually wanted to ask Nelly. Uh, you know, a lot of players have their sophomore slump <laughs> um, after the rookie season, especially people like. Uh, you know, um, who had who had really good years. Like Robert Griffin's a good example of somebody who didn't have such a great second year. Uh, do you see Bridgewater struggling at all this year, or is he? Or you expecting um, more of the same from last year to, you know, to go on? Um, that's a great point, Josh. You know, I I would not be surprised if he slumped. Um, other than he did impress me with his demeanor and how he acted, but, you know, I don't know how the guy ticks inside. I just think having Norb Turner um, is really going to help him. Um, and then also uh, Adrian Peterson back in there, you know, that's going to help him, you know, if they want to load up the box. You know, because last year he threw for 13 games. He had 2,900 yards, I think 14 TDs and 12 picks. I mean, very pedestrian, but he really – Showed some character and, and some ability, but you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm still a the guy from Missouri, even though I'm up here in Minnesota. You know, you got to show me. And uh, he didn't get hurt in one of his first games, and um, I, he has me optimistic, but I'm not going to sell the farm and say he's for sure going to light it up this year. I just think, you know, he's got a lot more weapons around him to help him improve. So speaking of teams, there, Nelly. Uh, how's your team looking? Uh, the Bayo Spartans. How, how how are they how are they looking so far this season? I know you guys well, you know, started the workouts. Yeah, the Spartans were uh, 
coming off three straight section championship appearances. Unfortunately, like uh, the Vikings of old in Super Bowls, uh, we're 0 for 3 in those. Um, so, you know, we're getting there. We've just got to open this next door. We did have uh, school just got out here um, last Friday, and Sunday night we were hosting a 7-on-7 uh, seven seven with four other high school teams were out there. And so we've got our skill position guys out there. You know, you have your uh, the passing. I don't know. I, I coach O-line and work with the D-line, and those guys aren't even there. So um, I understand it's important, but we're looking – we're looking uh, good. We we're impressed with the guys who showed up the other night. Um, high school football, everybody, you know, uh, get on out and enjoy it wherever you're at. Uh, anywhere in America on a Friday night, you can get in probably six, seven bucks to get into a game, see some local uh, kids playing football, and uh, there's nothing better than on an autumn night to be out on a Friday night catching high school football. Yeah, you make a great point there, Coach Nelly. I mean, I wish I could get in some high school football, but it looks like my baby brother, he's going to go play him some basketball. So my high school, so anytime I'm at high school, it'll probably be on a basketball court instead of a football field. But I will be interested to hear how Mayo progresses this season. So you keep me posted. Oh, I will. Yeah, and we we loved having you tonight. I mean, you're welcome on here anytime you like. You gave us a lot of good insight. And I'm really looking forward to that matchup week 10 between a couple of young guns in the NFL, Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater. I'd feel better if they were playing at home. Uh, Raiders are tough. I mean, uh, when they play against the Vikings, I I just know we don't do well. I mean, all the way back to the Super Bowl loss. But, hey, thanks for bringing me on. I like to talk, as you can tell. I just kind of maybe rambled on there. But uh, uh, the Vikings are actually interesting to talk about this year. I appreciate the opportunity to do that with you guys. Josh, uh, great questions, and uh, I'll just go back and uh, check those footballs and make sure there's enough air in them. There you go. That is a smart idea. (laughs) All righty. You got to love Coach Nelly, man. Great segment. That was a good one. Well, it looks like we don't have too much time here for NASCAR tonight, but we'll get back at it next week. Speaking of deflated balls and what have you, you had something you wanted to say, Josh? <laughs> I, I sure did. Uh, I, I've been reading online, a lot of people just can't get over this football thing. And and listen, you need to get over it. It happened. It's over with. <laughs> Move on with your life because you <laughs> – um, you people keep obsessing about the Patriots on the internet. It's pathetic. They, you all keep begging Patriots fans to validate your existence by admitting that they cheated. Okay, so if I say they cheated, um, they did it. Now what? Uh, it, you're still gonna you're still gonna want to hear other people say it. It's it's not gonna make it better for you. So uh, get over it. Move on. Uh, New England has never been convi- convicted of cheating. I don't know why you all keep saying that they have. Goodell acknowledged in September of 2007 that the tapes that were given to him by the Patriots provided no competitive advantage. He stressed that in his interviews. I don't know why you people don't understand that New England did not have a competitive advantage from these tapes. In fact, these tapes were seen by the media before they were disposed of. Why don't you people understand this? It's, it's like you want to ignore the facts. 
of it all. Media members saw it. If if you thought if there was something you know worth seeing on those tapes, they would have they would have told you. The media loves to write about controversy. New England did everything everyone else in the NFL was doing. They took the punishment for the NFL. If you don't believe that, you're ridiculous. Seriously, uh, you need to move on. Um, Raider fans, I'm sorry about last year and the holding call that cost you the game. It happened. It happens all the time. New England had a bad call against the Jets on a field goal. Um, you know, it, it's upsetting and it's hard to get over. Deal with it. Puck rule. Happened in New England, same year as the Oakland Raiders against the Jets. New England was gone. You're going to have to show me this, Josh. I'm still trying <laughs> to find that video where you say the Patriots were ripped off with a tuck rule. You're going to have to show oh, that to me. I will show you. <laughs> um, and uh, bad calls, just, you know, it happens to every team. New England is just, is just you know, another team um, who gets some beneficial calls and some bad calls. Um, it happens. There, no asterisks are going next to New England's titles, unlike some of you who, who think that it, it's going to happen. Um, it's not happening. The NFL is going to find the people involved, and that's it. it there, there's not going to be any asterisks. So you're just you're, root for your team. Hate the New England Patriots. That's fine. But get over this whole cheating thing. New England bent some rules, got caught. They took the fines like they're, they're going to do. Brady's going to probably – pay the price for what his involvement and let in a little bit of air out of some footballs, similar to what Shaq did with the Lakers while he was winning titles. So Yes, yes, yes. Shaq, Shaq, Shaq's a POS also for that. I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay consistent here, Josh. Now the Lakers three championships are tainted because we have some big, fat, dumbass deflating basketballs. Now you see why Kobe Bryant is more loved than Los Angeles than, than Shaquille O, whatever the hell he is. <laughs> But but I digress. Continue. I I just feel like you know some people are not going to get over this, and you know you can hate New England. That's fine. Um, you're I hate the Cowboys, you know, uh, and, and you hate you hate probably almost every team in the AFC West. So uh, and you hate the Patriots. I know that. Um, but we all hate teams. But New England is still the Super Bowl champions. They're still going to have the titles. No one's taking them from them. So get over it. Oh, no, this season, this season I don't feel the New England cheated. New England is the world champions, pretty much predicated on the Seattle Seahawks is just general stupidity because Pete Carroll decides he wants to have brain lock. So, no, I have no problem with the title they won this season. But the other three are in question, in my opinion. But carry on, please. Oh, well, listen, uh, you, you, people are free to – you know, uh, question their three Super Bowl wins. But the reality is, is it was legal <laughs> when, uh, to film this other coach's sidelines when New England was winning in 01, 03, and 04. And the other thing is, uh, Goodell sat down with Walsh, who said, who saw, oh, some of you people still believe the Patriots um, filmed a walkthrough with the Rams. Uh, that never happened. Goodell sat down with Walsh for three and a half hours and determined he was full of it. <laughs> there was nothing, no truth. The only thing that came out of that meeting is that apparently some New England Patriots players scouted some Super Bowl tickets and maybe, and just maybe a New England Patriot took part in a practice while injured. That's what came out of that meeting. Nothing about, no proof about Rams 
Walkman uh, tape, nothing about New England tape and sidelines, nothing that uh, Goodell didn't already know. Goodell said New England had no competitive advantage. A competitive advantage would be something that would, you know, um, help them win a game. Players still have to make make plays to win football games. Um, Shaq had to still score despite a basketball that might have had a little bit less air in it. Players still have to perform. You know, a, a ball is not good not going to dramatically, you know, change the game. I don't know. Why should the Oakland Raiders have to play two extra minutes of a football game that they have won already? And, you know, because you want to make a terrible call. Sure, even if the tuck call is correct. I mean, you've already completed your tuck motion. Brady wasn't hitting until that ball came all the way back. That's the problem I have with this. There wasn't even the yeah. tuck rule in the correct interpretation that they were trying to say it. So that's why I feel that we were cheated in that football game. Not the rule itself. I because of your miscarriage of the rule. Yeah, I understand your frustration with the tuck rule. I, I do. Uh, if I was a Raider fan, I would have been, you know, overwhelmed with anger probably. And and I understand your frustration, but um, the tuck rule was not invented in that game. It happened against the Jets, and I will show you the video of it because it exists. And But... Nonetheless, I get I get your frustration and it's it's hard. But New England New England didn't really have anything to do with that other than the fact that Brady was the one that got hit and dropped the ball. Uh, the referees are the ones that made the call. So, well, well, Josh, I'll say this: you did start, you did kind of make me see it in a different light. But bottom line is, the ref, Walt Coleman, <laughs> Tom Brady, and the New England Patriots can still kiss my ass. But this was a great show tonight, and and as always, I had a great time with you. Thanks, Coach Dully, for coming on. You know, it's already 9 o'clock. I think we have entirely too much fun because it just runs by real quick, you know. We was up there flowing too, man. Wow. Yeah. I had a great show tonight, Jerome. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And I I really felt the need to get that off my chest because some, some of the people online and some of the people even in our own, in our own group just can't. You know they can't get over this. It's like it's like consuming them or something. I don't understand. Uh, is New England winning the Super Bowl really going to affect anyone's life here, other than you know maybe uh, a couple you know gamblers or something? Um, my life's still going to move on even if I wasn't a New England fan. So just you know get over it. <laughs> uh, well, great, great point, Josh. And before I let you go, real quick. Yeah, how do you how do you see this final series going right now? Cleveland leads two one. What, what's your prediction Man. for the rest of the series? I, I, I I'm telling you, I I had a feeling I I felt like Cleveland could win this series, and and I felt is because LeBron is the best player in the NBA, and he is. Um, I think I think Cleveland's gonna win this series in six. Seriously, I think. Uh, they gave away one in, in uh, the first game of the series, but they've been the better team overall, except for the lead they lost in game one. So uh, I think Golden State's in trouble. Defensively, uh, Delvadova is amazing, playing amazing defense uh, against Curry, despite his you know strong shooting performance versus the game two and game three. So. I don't know. I think you still think Golden State's going to win this. So, uh, what's your opinion? Um, I say Golden State. They find the offense. Curry's going to get a shooting stroke back, and Golden State wins in six games. 
But we'll be back next week to discuss to discuss it a little bit more. Hopefully, they're still playing basketball by that time when we get together. You know, so it's a great show again, um, Josh. Like I said, it's always great to have you as a co-host, man. You do a great you do great work here. We do great work here. We kick ass and we bang it out. So for Coach yeah. Nelly, Josh, Josh Matson, and myself, this has been the NGSC West Recess. We'll get together next week, 8 p.m. again, make it a date. We'll do it again. We'll have another guest on. Peace out. Good night, America. We love you. Go. Good night. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.